way up in the heavens, far out in space, in a beautiful golden crystal palace right above the North Pole, lives a kind and jolly old gentleman, Santa Claus, also known as St. Nicholas, the best friend of boys and girls everywhere. But let's move in for a closer look. Come along. Hey everyone, it's Jonathan, and welcome back to the Christmas Movie Marathon. Today I'm joined by Trivial Theater to talk about a movie that she's been suggesting for a few years now, 1959's Santa Claus, alternatively known as Santa Claus vs. the Devil. Nikki has been suggesting weird Christmas movies to me since we started podcasting together, and this one is right up there with the likes of Santa Claus Conquers the Martians and Santa Claus and the Ice Cream Bunny. There's really no way to prepare you for this movie. There's no better introduction than to just tell you it's called Santa Claus vs. the Devil. So, let's just get right into it. Well, I guess to start, where did you find this thing? (laughs) (laughs) So this has the um, wonderful reputation of being one of only, I think, two or three movies to be featured on um, Mystery Science Theater 3000, like of Christmas movies. So there's this one, and then... um, Santa Claus Conquers the Martians were the only two that they really did in the original run. So this this one was done in um, 93 as one of their Christmas episodes. So that's that's kind of where I found it, along with um, Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. And through those same guys, Santa Claus versus the ice cream or Santa Claus and the ice cream bunny, which, <laughs> you know, wasn't Mystery Science Theater, but in that realm. So. So I guess we've completed the trilogy. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, there are so many other really interesting uh, Christmas movies of this nature. But as far as um, specifically Mystery Science Theater ones, um, these they don't really do a ton of Christmas specific ones. Like since they do a lot more pieces, they do tend to do like more now. But as of like the original run and the early days of Rift Tracks, um, these are some of the few. There's also um, one that they did on their more recent Netflix run that was uh, Christmas. It's kind of like a miserly tale. I don't remember what it's called, but um, that one I haven't tracked down yet. So someday we'll cover that. When you say miserly, are you talking Scrooge? Is this a Christmas Carol story? Uh, Kind of. It, it's sort of based on that, but it's not like... You know how something is inspired by, but doesn't really follow the storyline of that? Mm-hmm. Um, actually, let me look it up quick so I can give you an actual title. The Christmas That Almost Wasn't is the name of it. Hmm. Okay. I don't think I've heard um, of it. No, it's, it's not one I had ever heard of before this, but that doesn't say much, honestly. Um, but yeah, the, so that's it looks like there's also one called The Christmas Dragon. That might have been in the most recent season, which was season 13, so um yeah (laughs) but with this one and santa claus conquers the martians we're covering the classic uh mst ones so and i of the three that we've well including this one of the three that we've kind of talked about um santa claus and the ice cream bunny is probably the furthest removed from this kind of a thing like it it takes santa out of his quote normal environment um Mm -hmm. so this one is about as this one is probably the most traditional of the three yeah not sure what that says (laughs) traditional in some ways it it has a very interesting take on santa oh yeah that i don't think i've seen anywhere else but i mean as far as what santa is trying to do yeah this is the most traditional agreed well and just the because i looked up like what's like like santa claus and kind of mexican traditions at at least as of now so maybe in the 50s like they had a different slant but most of the things that they talk about with santa don't really apply so i think it was a lot of like uh creative liberties i guess would be the proper term i think all of these have taken creative liberties yeah but oh i agree that's without doubt and i think you have to to kind of make it something interesting um but you know, with the with the Martians, you know, there was no culture to base it off of. Mm-hmm. And Ice Cream Bunny was just whatever Ice Cream Bunny was. <laughs> <laughs> Florida, maybe. <laughs> but, you know, the, this one, it was based off of, I mean, being that it's kind of based in Mexico, it's kind of that cultural aspect. I, I kind of at first was like, oh, I wonder how much of this was really kind of based in, like, Mexican traditions and... um. Like, even the idea of Santa is a relatively newer concept for them. 
Like they didn't really. Oh, what what did it say? I'm trying to remember. Let's see. Traditionally in Mexico, well, children didn't receive presents from Santa. However, his popularity is growing in Mexico uh, Christmas traditions. Because of this, some children will receive gifts on um, December 24th, as well as January 6th, which is the Day of the Three Kings. Hmm. Okay. Oh. Yeah, but other stuff that they kind of go into, um, Our Lady of Guadalupe, they celebrate on December 12th, which includes fireworks and going to visit... Um, the Basilica of Guadalupe, they go pretty hardcore after that to celebrate. And like I say, lot like fireworks are a big deal there. Pinatas are a big deal. From the 16th to the 24th of December, kids will reenact Mary and Joseph searching for shelter. They sing traditional uh, songs and asking the homeowners to let them in. Um, each night ends with a fiesta. There's elaborate nativity scenes that start on December 16th and go through to January 6th. Many town centers have massive replicas of the manger and animals and Jesus and Joseph and Mary. So yeah, yeah that, they do that's more kinda... Christmas stuff than we do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think too. I mean, this is traditional, like at least from the site I looked at, it would be kind of a traditional Mexican celebration. You know, I mean, every family, you know, like any like any place, each family is going to kind of do their own thing. But the the celebrations mm-hmm. of the place are, you know, traditional. So, yeah, well, I knew about the reenacting Mary and Joseph's journey to Bethlehem because that was featured in, I think, Saludos Amigos, one of the early Disney hmm. films. But other than that, I didn't know about any of that other stuff. They yeah, I didn't either. Yeah, they do. <laughs> And I imagine it's like anything, you know, you, you know, one town will go, you know, hardcore with something like that and others won't. But you look at the aspects of this one, you know, like the the reindeer being wind up or like the flower of disappearing, you know, all of that stuff. None of it like follows what would traditionally be considered a Christmas thing. Yeah, I wondered about some of the specific Santa mythology. It was like, it was like did they make that up for this movie or is it based on something that... They do in Mexico. Like, does Santa live in a castle in the sky? <laughs> it doesn't seem like any, like with nothing, nothing that I've read indicated that, but it could be something where maybe it was a tradition within um, the guy that wrote this is family. Maybe there was something within his area of Mexico, because I'm sure it's like anything else, you know, different areas will have different traditions. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't find anything specific, but I can't say that I spent hours digging into it. Well, you spent more time looking into it than I did, so. (laughs) Well, I guess we can start into the movie. The way this started, it's introducing Santa, but it's not any kind of Santa mythology that I'd ever heard of before. Agreed. (laughs) Santa basically lives either in the sky or in space. He has a castle, and he doesn't have elves. He has children from all over the world. I would like to know how he got these children. <laughs> <laughs> and the depictions, I mean, and it's one of those things that you should probably preface it by saying this is made in the 50s, oh, you yeah. know, on the verge of 60. It's a very dated look at any of them, but just the ones that they pick specifically, it's like they picked like four or five European countries. They picked Africa as a whole continent. <laughs> there was... Uh, China, Japan, and then the Orient, which was essentially, I suppose, kind of India. It seemed like India, which normally when people say Orient, I think they usually are talking about China. That's what I always thought. But I I suppose, I don't know. I don't think they, did they have Russia in there? Yes. Okay. And then nothing from, well, I guess they covered, they basically covered South America as, you know, an entire continent, but they offhandedly mentioned Brazil. Um, Australia wasn't even part of the equation. No, that's true. Yeah. I don't remember Australia at all. Yeah. Which, you know, it's one of those things where I'm sure they were like, well, you know, we'll pick these and that. It does make me wonder as an overall question, and I don't expect an answer, but I do kind of wonder. Looking at this on all kinds of different levels, and I know this is supposed to be a kid's movie, but like, or even audience-wise, it doesn't feel like it was made for a Mexican audience. It doesn't... Like, it feels like it was very much made for an American audience, but I don't know. Like, even in the the 60s, it's such an odd mix of things. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's just me, like, overanalyzing, but it is earnest as hell. Like, there is nothing about yeah. this movie that isn't sweet and 
innocent and earnest. Well, I'm wondering if the feeling of it being made for an American audience comes more from the fact that it was dubbed in English. That's because possible. That, that narrator. <laughs> <laughs> he was one of a kind, I'll tell you. <laughs> but I, I wonder like, if they had gone with subtitles instead, if this would have felt more Mexican. Because it's set in Mexico. True. San- Santa's main helper is a Mexican boy named Pedro. Yes. And the main children are Mexican. Lupita mm-hmm. is the the little girl who's pretty much through the whole movie. I don't remember the names of the other kids. Yeah, they're kind of they're not they're, they're there, but they're not really. There's also Billy, but Billy could have been like translated yeah, in from true. something else. <laughs> but oh my gosh, she was so cute. Oh my word, she was oh, adorable. <laughs> she was so, oh my god, she was the cutest little one. I was like oh. Give the poor little one what she wants. Give her a doll. <laughs> Give her all the dollies. Every time she said dolly, I'm like, oh, so cute. Oh, yeah. She was the, just the look in her eyes. Just like... Oh, so cute. That which we'll, we'll talk about. But that whole like dancing interlude thing. She looked terrified. I'm like, oh, no. no. Like, <laughs> what are they doing to this child? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but things to come. <laughs> yes, yes. But no, agreed. It definitely, like, just, I guess, the fact that, and, and with, uh, God, with the kids, <laughs> I felt like there was probably, like, adults, like, underneath the things, like, making sure that, like, the, I think it was the Mexican little guys like there was one playing a guitar and he's kind of like uh you know bopping back and forth and it almost felt like there was someone behind him like controlling him like a puppet like kind of moving him back and forth and stuff <laughs> like the most uninterested the kids are like looking around or like any kid at any like christmas uh choral thing you've ever that's been that's what to it reminded life. me of it oh also my god reminded me of um <laughs> which one was it it was probably which which one of these weird christmas movies started with the kids like singing a song was that Santa versus the Martians? Oh, I uh, no, no, that was uh, Santa, Santa and the Ice Cream Bunny. Okay, well, it just it had that similar feeling of kids putting on like a little play. Oh yeah, like they yeah. weren't professional actors, but no, it was still cute. Oh, man. Oh, and you can see in the background, too, it looks like they had all the little vignettes set up and they were all kind of sitting there at the same time. And you get that one kid that's like wandering off and picking his nose. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I loved how, like, obviously, most of these are like some kind of weird stereotype. Oh, yeah. But I loved that the stereotype for the U.S. was two little cowboy children. <laughs> <laughs> Well, at least they weren't dressed up like Uncle Sam. That would have been... Oh, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, and the the, the poor little... Um, I'm trying to think the French kids. They were they were like... They had all the, the China dolls around them. It's like, since when is that France? I mean, and now that you want to see mimes or like that traditional kind yeah, of... They should like, have had mime children. Oh, God. <laughs> Like for Italy, they had a couple of little little boys dressed up like gondola drivers. <laughs> uh, they really leaned hard into the stereotypes. Oh, the, uh, the American one just made me laugh too. Little oh, cowboys. that was that was a cowboy and a cowgirl. <laughs> yeah, but I think too, given the era, like that whole sixties thing, I think that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, they have this whole long scene showing off all of the children of the world that help Santa. And then we have a scene of Santa using all sorts of strange technology that seemed like something out of 60s Doctor Who. Oh, God, yeah. I mean... (laughs) The the, giant machine with lips seemed like a Doctor Who villain (laughs) from that era. Oh, 100%. really weird. (laughs) The the little telescope thing that was an actual eye was something straight out of... um, a war of the war of the worlds oh yeah i could see that but i i do kind of appreciate like kind of the very because you think about a kid and you say oh we're gonna hear things in space i'm sure a kid from that era the first thing they think of is a giant ear like attached to something (laughs) a giant pair of fleshy protruding red lips oh god of a machine (laughs) uh if you ever watched the the mystery science theater like like riff of that they they go some places not not like it's not it's not outrightly rude but they're like mm, that okay what what were they thinking with that 
<laughs> it's like whoa that's uh those are some giant giant yeah oh my goodness <laughs> but it, it was it really seemed like a weird doctor who villain oh it just God, yeah. like who thought of this <laughs> <laughs> someone in the 60s that was i mean i guess if you want to think whimsy like that is kind of the the textbook definition like if you've got a guy that delivers toys to kids for a living Every single one of the, the the instruments in his like headquarters is going to be whimsical and and funky. You know, it, it's going to have that. You know, I don't know. Like even the the lip thing, it had eyes and a nose. If you looked at it from the right angle. But the main thing you notice is the. Lips. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least he's up to date with the technology of the age. He's just doing it in his own way. <laughs> i guess so oh man but you talk doctor who um there's that one doctor who episode that actually does feature like they kind of cannibalized all of the the crew members of the ship and they turned them into like different oh, parts yeah. of it uh what was it the lady in the fireplace i think the girl in the fireplace yeah yes yes a tenant episode they, they actually go there so who knows maybe this maybe this inspired that <laughs> that would be a strange place to get inspiration Uh, but i did say it felt like a doctor who thing so (laughs) maybe so no the feel that the definitely the practical effect feel of that definitely felt like like late 60s doctor who yeah that was just that was so bizarre i mean the whole movie is bizarre but there was just something prominently bizarre about these fleshy protruding Oops. oh yeah yeah there's not even a question about that and it's it seems like every decision that was made in this for this movie they're like okay we don't want to make the like the most obvious choice but we want to make a wacky choice that quote makes sense within the context of this thing mm-hmm. like they were going for whimsy but it was a very weird whimsy dr seuss <laughs> it's like dr seuss whimsy Maybe, yeah well i suppose dr <sighs> seuss mixed with dr who yes very much the doctors are in the house there was also probably some dr mcgillicuddy's involved well santa's spy gadgets are not the only weird thing about this movie because we also go straight to hell (laughs) within the first 10 minutes yeah they don't screw around and to have that kind of a portrayal in a kids movie well i guess you look at like looney tunes and it wasn't afraid to kind of go there you know yeah but the, this is this is a different thing to make Santa deal with than I have ever heard anywhere else. <laughs> oh yeah, no, absolutely. It's not very often. <laughs> it's not. I mean, yeah, the fact that he takes on a, a demon is just. I don't know. It's 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 weirder than taking on three inches of sand that somehow hold your sleigh down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> completely different kind of weird oh man (laughs) yeah this is a demon named pitch who is basically like the stereotypical devil looking thing he's red with horns oh but he's got fancy pantalones though (laughs) he's got the like the like what you would consider shakespearean level like like fancy pants that are kind of poofy and little hooves yeah (laughs) the whole headpiece is just i mean god bless him guy the guy was was chewing scenery he did a great job (laughs) of just he was not afraid to just go arguably the most fun like character in the in the entire thing like lupita was freaking adorable but as far as like fun weird characters i think he probably takes the cake probably yeah (laughs) Not that that's a high bar for this movie, but still. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I guess his he's like tasked with, I don't know, stopping Santa and turning children against him. Like you have, I think it's supposed to be Satan as a voiceover, basically giving him instructions on going to Earth and turning children against Santa or he will be punished with ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> not ice cream no especially not rocky road god keep it away from me Ah! 
you could tell that a lot of this stuff was very, I don't know, gearing, gearing the humor towards kids because I'm sure that they picked ice cream because they know kids love ice cream and they would think it's hilarious that a demon would be tortured with ice cream. Oh yeah, absolutely. And the fact that he mentions it's bad for his digestion. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's bad for a lot of people's digestion. That's true. I never would have <laughs> considered a de- that is true. I would have never considered a demon to be lactose intolerant. <laughs> I don't think I ever gave any thought to a demon eating something before, let alone (laughs) ice cream. (laughs) Well, now, now you, now, you know, but weirdly down the way, we also find out stuff about Santa. That's kind of in that same realm. Like it's an interesting dynamic. What did they say about Santa? Oh, sorry. Uh, So he has to be back to the North pole by dawn. One, because uh, the reindeer turned to dust, but two... Which is like, why? What? (laughs) Because reasons. Just go with it. (laughs) But also uh, because he can't eat human food. Um, He can't, like, he has ice, like, what was it? Ice cream and something else, but it's made of clouds. And he can't eat human food, so he'll starve if he's caught, if he's, uh, like, lost or he can't get back there. I must have missed that, but that makes the line at the end about trying to make him starve to death make sense. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also there's a thing about um, there's so many like weird little sidelines. Like Santa is just a ball of weird side comments. At one point, um, he says that he's quite a lot younger than either Pitch or the Devil. I don't remember which, but <laughs> he says um oh it's just it's my digestive digestive track i i i I don't i can't eat what he can eat and um you know it's very it's very tender and whatnot there was a lot made of digestion in this movie (laughs) (laughs) well i I suppose too many you know i I don't know too many uh cloud uh ice cream sandwiches apparently (laughs) i wonder if that's what they feed those fleshy lips on that machine (laughs) (gasps) Let's, I, I, yeah, I, I don't want to think about that. <laughs> oh, the questions you'll ask after watching this movie. The things you will ponder and never have answers for because you probably don't want those answers. <laughs> now I'm just imagining, <laughs> we, ha- we haven't mentioned him yet. Merlin is in this movie. Oh, God, <laughs> For yeah. some reason. I, I'm imagining him with a giant ice cream bar, shoving it into the mouth on that machine. <laughs> oh, man. And Merlin is his own brand of interesting. <laughs> He's so weird, but in a different way than the other weird. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Him and Santa have this whole back and forth, and we'll get more into it, but about like forgetfulness and you know all of that it's just like oh my goodness (laughs) yeah merlin is how they explain santa's magic i guess yeah essentially he makes all these gadgets did did they say that he made the machines that he was using earlier to spy on the kids on earth i i don't remember that i know like he takes us through the the different things that he uses to deliver the toys i think he maintains the gadgets so yeah, it would probably a good chance that he made them. He just forgot that he made them. <laughs> I, I would imagine that he forgets a lot of things because he seems like one of those stereotypical, I don't know, doddering old men. Oh yeah. Even down to the way he walked. <laughs> oh yeah. Brilliant, but very doddering. And like, he likes to ride around like he's on a horsey. <laughs> I wondered when they said that, I was like, was that in the original Mexican version, or is that a line that they put in the English version to explain why he walks weird? <laughs> you know, it's a hundred percent possible. <laughs> even even the the kind of fourth wall breaks that the the that the narrator takes. He's like, "Come on, come on, Merlin! This isn't the time to play horsey." It's like, oh my god! <laughs> the narrator was probably the worst part of this movie. Oh man. <laughs> Like most of this weirdness, I'm fine with, but the narrator yeah. kind of got on my nerves once in a while. Just yeah. like he overly explained everything. Like he, like he's one of those reaction YouTubers who basically just tells you what they're watching while you're watching <laughs> it at the same time. 
<laughs> very true and that i mean that's another good question you know with the with the dub um you know was that what was laid out in the mexican ver- like the straight up mexican version of this or was that mm. just something that was added for the american version or the english version i should say i wonder if they just added it to the english version right well and actually this this the the one the version that i showed you and i think that would i mean that is the like basically the dub version um, is actually three minutes shorter than what the original copy was. So the Mexican version is three to four minutes longer. Hmm. Do we know what was cut? Um, let me look quick. They they did mention something, but offhandedly, I don't 100% remember. And trying to find like Santa Claus this version, because there's so many other movies called <laughs> Santa Claus. Yeah. I'm glad you sent me a link to it because I probably would have been lost as to what I was looking for. Oh, no, absolutely. There would have been, if you don't know what you're looking for with this one, you're not going to find it. I suppose I could have looked up Santa Claus versus the devil. Yeah, that would, that probably would have gotten you there too. Okay. Running time of each version is 94 minutes. Home video release was transferred from several theatrical prints. Um, Okay. So some of it was due to age, like some of the footage was bad, so they didn't include Um, it. Um. Yeah, that looks like it's kind of it. So it was more about like pieces of the print that weren't that that couldn't be salvaged more than anything else. That makes sense. Yeah. There's one other thing. There is at least one brief scene cut from the English version and further footage was removed from individual prints as they aged and suffered damage. So, yeah, that's the original version was three minutes longer than the version seen in the U.S. But most of it was due to, you know, age and breakage and bad prints and such weirdly so this was and this is kind of a side thing but it was considered to be a financial success over several holiday season theatrical releases in the 60s and 70s broadcast of the film also became a a tradition at several u.s stations the film garnered at least one award winning the golden gate award for best international family film at the san francisco international film fest in 1959 must not have been that much competition (laughs) Well, I mean, it wasn't exactly up against Mary Poppins at that point. I suppose. And I suppose being that it's California, like you do have more of that kind of influence and such. Like it's more of a regional thing. Well, and they did say specifically international. So maybe they're just going on foreign films. Possibly, yeah. And there probably aren't that many foreign (laughs) family films that make their way to the States. Like even today, there really isn't. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. It's hard enough to get anime in the U.S., let alone just regular animation from other countries. That is very, very true. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And it was probably a regional thing, too. Like, since you're, you know, it's not to say that, like, Arizona is going to have more Mexican influence than, say, I don't know, Alabama. But it does make a difference. Like, regionally, you're going to show a certain level of stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Well, I guess we should talk about the children that are the main focus of this movie. Yes. There's other than his helpers, the only one I remember the name of was Pedro. He's kind of in a lot of scenes, but he's not like a focus. He's just there. He's kind of like the um the I can't think of the guy's name. Is it Lewis? The helper that Tim Allen's Santa Claus has. Oh yeah. I know the who you're talking the- about. The one that everyone thought was cute. Yeah, yeah, he kind of looks like um, he's got kind of the the Shakespearean look to him. He also has poofy pants, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and that's poofy, not poopy. <laughs> Just so we're clear. <laughs> yeah, besides him, there was like either triplets or just three brothers who I don't remember their names. And they're they're like the main ones, I guess, that Pitch is trying to turn against Santa. Like he he goes after Lupita a little bit, but he's like using these three boys specifically to like attack Santa, yeah. basically. Well, and it's almost more of a subplot than it is anything. Like it's yeah. mainly Pitch versus Santa, but yeah, he he pulls those three boys in as a, I guess, a decoy. Yeah. Even though Santa essentially says, because at one point they do write a letter to Santa and they say, "Oh, I've been so good. My brothers have been really good too," and. They're like, yeah, they, oh, these kids yeah. aren't good. He, so he puts their letter in the liar's box. Yes. <laughs> and he also has another box that I guess forwards letters onto the stork because the little kid asked for a little brother. 
<laughs> so we put it into a box for the stork. Yes. <laughs> well, even that was really interesting how, like, all the letters that come to the post office and they toss them into a fireplace, they go up through the chimney and then they end up coming down and basically, like, covering Santa in letters. <laughs> I don't know why I liked that scene. I could tell that they, at one point they were reversing the footage, but mm-hmm. I liked the way they did that. <laughs> no, that was cute. That was very cute. It's kind of fun to see. And it's not, you could take it out and it wouldn't make any difference. Like that, not that scene mm-hmm. so much, but like where Santa's like in training, trying to get ready for Christmas, like the day before Christmas. There was, <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. Where he's on that that wiggling belt thing that yeah. is like one of those stereotypical <laughs> 1950s housewives gadgets. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, is Santa jumping? No, he's trying to make sure his belly is small enough so he can fit down chimneys. <laughs> there was a lot. Yeah. Like you said, there's a lot of scenes like that that you could have taken them out and they, you wouldn't lose anything. But I liked how much world building there was, even if it's a weird world. I oh, liked, absolutely. I liked that they did that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, and again, it kind of goes back to the whole idea of whimsy. Like this, Yeah. say whatever you will about this. It's weird. There's there's a lot of funky stuff, but it is whimsical as hell. It is so earnest and fun, and it's trying to just be a fun movie. It's it's just a movie for kids. Like the, oh, the, yeah. whole, the whole, everything about it is... They're doing things that are going to make sense to a kid. People like us are going to be like, that's weird. How do you explain <laughs> this? But like a kid's going to watch this and they're going to take everything at face value and they're going to love it. So even though it's very strange, I can see why it was a favorite around that time period for a while. Oh, agreed. Agreed. I mean, you look at other movies of the era and I'm I'm just kind of picking random movies. But like, again, Mary Poppins, there's a lot of weird stuff that happens there. Like, you know, Dick Van Dyke lowering his pants so he can walk like a penguin. You know, it's kind of that, not in the same way, but it is sort of in that same, this is an idea that would make sense to a kid, but not really an adult. Yeah. But back to the kids. Yes. Aside from the three that are the main targets of pitch, you also have Billy, who is like a sad little rich boy who has everything except the love of his parents. (laughs) And Santa uses his spy stuff to, to look into his dreams and he dreams that he gets his parents as Christmas presents. <laughs> <laughs> and his mom, like the shot on his mom is there for a really long time. It almost looks like a casket. Because <laughs> there's there's like lace around the outside and she's just kind of like looking at him. And it's like, oh, eh. I, I suppose you could also look at it as like um, when you go to the movies and they had like the Barbie set up where you could go inside the box and become a Barbie <laughs> character. Yeah, I mean, I did that. <laughs> no, absolutely. Go for it. But then the last child is Lupita, who is not the main character, but she's the main child character, I would say. She's kind of the moral, like, to say the moral center probably isn't the right way to state it. But to some extent, like, she keeps getting tested by the different sides because, like, Pitch keeps whispering to her. But she's kind of the the moral compass. Like she's a soul that's that's kind of balanced between Satan and Santa, which is yeah. a weird place to be, <laughs> because <Yeah. laughs> she's she's this poor little. She's probably what maybe four five at most. Yeah, she's very young. Yeah, and she just wants all she wants for Christmas is a dolly. And the first exposure she has to Santa is seeing him at a store, and she asks her her mom, and they're they're very poor who is Santa and her mom explains and you know, she's very sad because she can't afford, you know, stuff for her kids and all that uh, Lupita wants is a dolly. And at one point, like she steals a dolly, not understanding the ins and outs, but then she puts it back and disrupts Mm -hmm. pitches, you know, plans and such. Yeah. Aside from Lupita, I think the person I felt for the most in this movie was her mother. Oh yeah. (laughs) Like her mother was like almost a very tragic figure because like they're very poor. And you can tell that she wants to buy her daughter something, but she just cannot. They right. don't have any money. And I didn't realize, I, I, at the end, you realize there's a dad too, but I I don't remember the dad at the beginning. But the dad is out looking for work so that yeah. they can have money, but he doesn't, I don't think he ever finds work. No. And he, well, he's going out on Christmas Eve. Like, who's going to be hiring on Christmas Eve? I don't know. I mean, maybe as a Santa impersonator. Comes back and he's dressed as Santa. 
I don't know that he had the build for that, but I guess if somebody really needs a Santa, they'll take what they can get. I mean, let's be honest. Droppo from Santa Claus versus or Conquers the Martians <laughs> did not have the build to be Santa either, but he shoved a bunch of pillows down his um, coat and he made it work. I forgot about Droppo. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, his ho-ho-ho was pretty pathetic, but you know what? He did what needed to be done. <laughs> After you have all of the stuff with the kids, Santa finally starts getting going on his journey. He has to get all his stuff from Merlin. And there was another guy, too, but I don't remember who he was. The The other oh, guy made a key. I think he was only called the key maker. <laughs> okay. And he's like a blacksmith type guy. And I think he was a redhead. Not that that matters one way or the other, but he had this random <laughs> redhead and he gives him... Um, I think the key was called the magic key that opens every door or opens every, like something like that. Something like that. Yeah. It's supposed to open every door on earth. And then for some reason it sparks when it yes. opens doors. And Santa has to test it on a thousand doors for yes. some reason. <laughs> right before he has to leave, you'd think he would do that like, you know, a month before you have to go out as compared to the night of. <laughs> there was a lot of things like that in this movie. Yeah. He's kind of a procrastinator, honestly. <laughs> And then you get to his reindeer. <laughs> and at first when I saw them, I was like, okay, well, this is really strange animatronics they've chosen for these reindeer. But then I realized they did that on purpose because these are robots. <laughs> Not only robots, wind-up robots. <laughs> but I was like, okay, this is weird. But I like that they did that because they knew that they were not going to be able to pull off realistic reindeer. So let's just lean into the fact that they're fake. (laughs) Make it part of the plot. It works. Oh, yeah. That it does. What I didn't understand was why they turn to dust if he doesn't get back by sunrise. (laughs) You know what? I I, I got nothing. I also (laughs) like, though, how when he wound them up, they were like chittering and going. They made some weird noises. I could see that disturbing some children. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. I suppose as long as Santa's not making those noises, we're okay. I suppose. (laughs) So yeah, Santa heads to Earth, and then you have Pitch influencing these three kids to capture Santa. I don't really know what these kids thought they could do if they captured Santa. (laughs) Oh no, they had had a really well-put-together plan. They were going to capture Santa and then have all of the toys to themselves. That was the plan. (laughs) I guess that could make sense to a small child. Yes. (laughs) And besides these kids, you also have Pitch just doing things to sabotage his delivery. But the way they shot it, it just seemed like it was a game of silly pranks. Like Santa laughed about everything. Like (laughs) (laughs) It didn't matter that he's literally being tormented by a demon. Oh, it's just... It's a silly prank. Uh, it's literally Looney Tunes. Like every single thing <laughs> Almost, that goes on. Yes. <laughs> um, like there's one point where I think, if I remember correctly, Pitch moves the chimney, which makes Santa have to go through the front door. And then he like moves the chimney back. And then somehow Santa blows all the smoke and ash up the chimney. And then Pitch is just covered in ash. <laughs> and just deadpan staring into the camera like, wah, wah. <laughs> And then there's another point where Santa's like sitting on the edge of a chimney getting ready to go down and Pitch like hits a fire to make it go really high and hard and like like Santa almost loses his pants because this fireball comes up through the <laughs> chimney. <laughs> there's so many weird things between those two. Oh man, they're they're like uh they're like Abbott and Costello. <laughs> kind of just just a weird weird version. <laughs> But then you have the three kids setting a trap, and Santa apparently knows what they're doing. And I'm not really sure what happened, but it was like he shot a meteor at them. Yeah, well, you know, if you're Santa and someone is naughty, um, you know, the liar list, if someone's a liar, then you got to tell them what's what. And blast them with a meteor. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's half of what he's got in his pack. I mean, you know, all of the kids stuff can fit into a relatively small part of the bag. But in the end with them, they get coal and then Pitch provokes them into a fight and then leaves. 
<laughs> and then after he's done with them, he goes to try and steal Santa's sleigh, but the reindeer won't obey him, so he like materializes a pair of scissors to like snip the bag that holds his magic stuff so he loses all his magic stuff. But when he pulled out these scissors, I didn't know they were scissors. I thought he would pulled out a knife. And I was like, what's he going to do, shiv Santa? (laughs) I'm grateful he doesn't, but yeah, that was probably going to be the next thing that happened. And just as a side note to the names of the stuff that Santa uses, he's got the magic key that opens every door, the potion of remembrance, the flower to disappear, and the bag with the powder for dreams of joy and goodwill. (laughs) Very descriptive. I'll give them that. (laughs) You know exactly what each gadget is. <laughs> exactly. And I do I do imagine that, you know, when, when you translate something from one language to another, the translation isn't always the most eloquent. I imagine that they probably had better names in Spanish. And then when they translated them, it was a literal translation. Probably, yeah. But then after all of these failed attempts to either sabotage or get rid of Santa's he sticks a dog on him. Yes. <laughs> I guess that's the last resort. <laughs> but this is like his most effective attack. <laughs> <laughs> and it, well, it's because he's not directly orchestrating it. <laughs> Santa ends up climbing a tree to get away from this dog. <laughs> and then Pitch goes inside the house where the dog lives. I think it, that's where the dog came from. And then he's, whispering to the sleeping guy that there's a prowler outside that's planning to kill his wife and kids. (laughs) 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 Like for all of the wacky weirdness that this guy has been doing, this is like the darkest thing that they've said in this movie so far. Oh yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's a lie, but it's still the darkest thing anyone's ever said. (laughs) 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 And then I'm not sure what he's doing. It's like he's sort of possessing people to call the fire department and the police. Like he he calls them, but then he's like making people who are asleep talk to them. So he's getting he's reporting a fire and he convinces the policeman that there really is a fire by blasting flames through the phone. <laughs> and the guy is like, Mercy, this is a five alarm fire. We better get on it. <laughs> And I think the idea was to get as many people there as possible so they can so they can see um Santa. But I the it, it kind of goes back to that idea of um like his Santa even says that, you know, to pitch that he can't directly talk to people, they can't hear him. But he's able to like you say um like talk through people, influence folks to do things. Mm-hmm. And the whole back and forth <laughs> with the with the one family. <laughs> I just, oh my God, he's sitting there and it's like, well, you guys clearly don't know what you're talking about. Hey, I've got the gun here, you know. Oh, well, you can't use that properly. I I should be the one wielding it. Yeah. He has a way of, I don't, like, he whispers in people's ears and turns them against each other. Yes. Which I'm sure is a nice little side thing that he does. <laughs> but then after all this, he goes back outside to Santa and says, you hear those sirens? They're for you. You'll never get back before sunrise. Your reindeer will turn to powder and you'll starve to death and all rule the earth. (laughs) (laughs) With the weirdest (laughs) evil laugh. (laughs) You have an excellent weird evil laugh. (laughs) But just the way he phrased all of that, your reindeer will turn to powder, you'll starve to death and all rule the earth. <laughs> the weirdest sequ- sequence of threats ever. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, it basically seems like this is the end for Santa, except he starts calling for Merlin, who like dawdles over to the communicator. <laughs> <laughs> and he ends up telling him to use a wind up cat to distract the dog, and apparently it works. <laughs> and then he escapes. And then the firemen show up and spray pitch because all they can see is smoke where he's standing. (laughs) And then before he goes back to his castle in the sky, he goes and finally gives a doll to Lupita. And she's so cute. Yes. 
The doll is as big as she is. Yes, the doll was absolutely enormous. I thought he was going to give her the little doll that she almost stole at the beginning. And no, he he basically gives her a thing that's almost as big as she is. Yeah. Well, you know, the, um, she had that weird dream about all the versions of the doll, but like live life-size dancers that scared her so much. <laughs> he saw that and he's like, nope, I'm not going to do that to her. If one that's only half that size. <laughs> oh, man. Oof. I don't know what they were thinking with that dream. It was so random. It was just... I mean, I guess it makes about as much sense as half the other stuff in this movie. But it yeah. just seemed like out of nowhere. <laughs> Suddenly she's having a weird dream with these giant plush doll people dancing randomly. Yeah. And she's just standing there bewildered like, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, and even the poor little actress that was in the middle of that, like, yeah. she just had this disconcerting look on her face like, what's going on? And they just like, they kind of dance around, like, obviously they dance around her, but I do... Yeah, I, I do think with the dream, they were kind of trying to do the whole like, there was that part of her that's like, hey, you want this pretty dolly, you're gonna have to steal it kind of a deal. So kind of the, the devil on your shoulder versus the angel on your shoulder kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was so weird. But yes, it was. <laughs> the whole movie was weird. So <laughs> the question is, is that weirder than the ice cream bunny? No. <laughs> well and and santa like you know as we've kind of been discussing back and forth between ice cream bunny martians and this one the depictions of santa are really interesting like i this one was probably i don't know like he's probably middle of the road when it comes to like eccentric behavior yeah like he's not as like wild and crazy and you know lazy as you know ice cream bunny but you know martians is probably the most grounded santa i suppose this is the most whimsical but in a weird way like weird whimsical yeah yeah i agree like i think uh martian santa was was a decent amount of whimsical like he kind of took everything in stride and he talked about his button finger being broken (laughs) or you know hurting because all he did was press buttons all day but yeah this one certainly took it to another level yeah but yeah that's basically the end he leaves the doll for lupita and then goes back to heaven i mean i keep thinking (laughs) of it as heaven but it's not really heaven it's just the sky or something i mean it kind of is i suppose yeah i think yeah i don't i don't really know what they were going for because they do mention jesus at some point so i don't know if that was like supposed to be maybe it was heaven i don't know (laughs) well they describe the um like the, they describe the flight uh, of the reindeer to Earth as I think it's trans heavenly airways, and they kind of do the whole announcement <laughs> like leaving and you know from gate whatever and all that kind of stuff. They even have like a whole plaque about it. I mean, I could see trying to again trying to explain to kids sort of those ins and outs because that's really what a lot of this talks about. Like you look at the devices and all those kind of things. This is it's a way to describe what is undescribable. Yeah. A lot of it seemed like it was trying to make sense of the Santa myth for kids. Yeah. Because there's a lot of things about Santa that don't really make sense. And it was like, in their own way, they were trying to make it make sense. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and given the time and place, if you were a kid, you could look at that and go, oh, okay, I I understand it. Or I, I may not get it, get it, but I understand where they're going. Mm-hmm. It makes as much sense as anything else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's Santa Claus. Yes. Or Santa Claus versus the devil, as it's apparently occasionally called. I could see that. That I mean, that's probably a more accurate title. And it's because how many Santa Claus movies have there been over the course of time? Even then. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. I prefer the title Santa Claus versus the devil. Yeah. <laughs> but I suppose Santa Claus versus the devil, like, that does give a connotation of not necessarily the most kid-friendly movie. Yeah, I, it makes sense why its official name is just Santa Claus. I think if yeah. they called it Santa Claus versus the Devil, well, 
fewer people would have been okay with going to it. <laughs> oh, agreed, agreed. Even with the fact that it is the most, I mean, genuinely one of the most harmless movies you could ever see. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> I mean, it, it's certainly less scary and stuff than Bambi. I mean, there's it's it's a it's a live action Looney Tune in a lot of ways. Kinda, yeah. Especially everything with what the devil is trying to do to Santa. Like right. as for as much as like he is trying to do evil things. It's all in the context of basically silly pranks. Oh, absolutely. And it's not anything that's that's harmful, really, to kids, if you want to look yeah. at it that way. I mean, yeah. you can look at this as, I mean, not that Bambi is a good comparison, but that was another G-rated movie that was very pointed towards kids, obviously, because Disney. But, I mean, given the choice between the two, I would say that this one is definitely less scary than that. Oh, yeah. This, this has literal Satan, and it's not as scary as Bambi. <laughs> right. No, absolutely. And again, that may not be the most logical correlation, but, I mean, they're kind of in that same boat. And then at the end, there was, um, they did the whole Bible verse thing, which I thought was really interesting. There was back and forth kind of connotations to Mary and Joseph and, and Jesus and such, but it was not specifically focused on that, but that's kind of the way it ended. That was That was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It was... It just made me wonder how much of this was based on, I don't know, like Mexican Christmas nativity stuff. And I guess a lot of it isn't, but I guess they were still trying to go for a bit of a religious feel. Right. Even though this is not religious and the devil is not biblically <laughs> accurate. <laughs> right. But I mean, too, you're you're talking, I mean, when you're trying to describe that stuff to kids, yeah. probably you're not going to take it as... You're trying, I mean, across the board, and again, you know, it's kind of talking about trying to explain the way that Santa's workshop works, the way that that fight between being, you know, on the nice list and the naughty list, even the way that they they send um, like letters to the North Pole, you know, kind of works within those within those realms. Mm -hmm. And that would be the way to describe it to to kids. I mean, you're not going to go hardcore Bible stuff if your focus is Santa, because again, I. For all of the the back and forth with this, the two aren't necessarily synonymous, even yeah. though they're focused on the same holiday. Yeah. And really, with even Christian Christmas, the devil's not really involved. No, no, <laughs> definitely not. He doesn't have anything. I mean, like anything good and bad, you know, you could say, well, you know, you're on the naughty list because you were tempted by the devil. But yeah, as a, as an overarching thing. A kid is just, you know, mischievous and, you know, they tugged at their sister's pigtails and stole their friend's truck or whatever. And, you know, that's what put them on the naughty list. It's not being tempted by, you know, the Lord of Hellfire and an actual demon. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's definitely an interesting mix of things. Yeah. It's a very random mix of things. <laughs> <laughs> So where does this fall for you as far as like between the three kind of weird Christmas movies we've done? This is probably my favorite. Nice. It is fun. Like as far as just an entertaining movie, I think this would be my favorite. I like how weird Santa versus the Martians is or whatever. However you like, I always mix Santa up Claus, the titles. Yeah. Oh no, no. Santa Claus conquers the Martians, but you could, you could say it either way. And I think people would get it. Yeah. And then Santa and the ice cream bunny. That's just a weird movie. <laughs> like, I don't know that I would watch that one again. <laughs> oh, come on. No, I kid. It is. It fits the environment in which it was made. The whole Pirates World thing. It, it fits yeah. that whole place. But yeah, as a movie, uh, yeah, it is the least comprehensive and just it is the most riffable, but definitely not the most understandable of the three. Yeah. And as far as just watching it for entertainment, just as a movie, no. <laughs> Understandable. But no, this absolutely. one, I think, is kind of in a charming, old-fashioned kind of way. Yeah. And definitely in a different way than, say, a lot of Christmas classics. Not that yeah. you would designate this. I mean, obviously, there was a time and place when this one was. If you look at, you know, yeah. it, if it was a successful, if it had a successful theatrical run in matinees for kids at a certain in place in history obviously that is a sign of success but yeah as far as a, a christmas classic for most individuals this would probably not be up there as much 
No, I think this one would have a place, like if somebody wants to make a list of good, entertaining, weird, alternative Christmas movies, this definitely has a place on a list like that. Oh, absolutely. And I I could honestly see for as goofy as it is, uh, Santa Claus Conquers the Martians feels more like it is more of a traditional Christmas thing. It's something that, as an American at least, you can look at and go, or, you know, European, you know, kind of those traditional pieces. You can look at them and go, okay, this falls within traditional Santa norms. Even if it takes place in another world, it's still kind of bringing in those same those same beliefs mm-hmm. or same traditions. So, Yeah, to some extent, both this and Santa Conquers the Martians but Santa versus the ice cream bunny, it's just weird. <laughs> that it is. <laughs> it's just and the, weird. Well, and it's more Santa with special guest ice cream bunny. Because ice cream <laughs> bunny shows up in the last five minutes and takes 15 minutes to get any plates. Yeah, and it doesn't really have much, if anything, to do with Christmas. No, no, absolutely it's just, not. It's just a weird movie. <laughs> <laughs> And honestly, the way that Santa's pants are bagging in the back, uh, yeah, he's he's lost weight a lot quicker than um, than Santa on the the weird exercise machine <laughs> in this one. So I don't think uh, I, I think he wouldn't have any problem fitting down chimneys, but I don't think you can really qualify him as a proper Santa if he goes below a certain weight limit <laughs> because of all the sweating. Sorry. <laughs> if this Santa wants to lose weight, he should go to Florida. Yes. Instead of yes, using his wiggling weight belt. <laughs> I mean, he was in Mexico, which in theory should be a lot hotter than what you get in Florida. <laughs> That's true. I mean, not the whole country, obviously. The, if you're up in the mountains, it's going to be colder. But by and large, it should be hotter there than what you're getting in Florida. Well, I suppose that's all I've got to say about this strange Christmas movie. Oh, agreed. And I guess my my question it's a non-question really but like obviously it was made for kids but the my question kind of still goes back to like you know was it made for a mexican audience was it made for something more international i i I would be interested to know but i don't think that's something you're ever going to really figure out unless you find like like a proper release with like audio tracks or like the the extra information yeah i don't know i feel like it was so non-specific that any culture could get something out of it right so i don't know that they were thinking one or the other probably they were probably thinking of it as something that they could send to other countries yeah that's true well i suppose that will be all for this episode are you gonna ask santa for a dolly for christmas i'm asking santa for lego hey also good (laughs) i like it you can build anything you want with that including your own weird big mouth built into a device where you can talk to people (laughs) that would be a hilarious thing for somebody to build maybe i should (laughs) (laughs) of all the weird things in this movie which there are so many uh, yeah there's just something it's like when there's close-ups on lips in movies Lips by themselves, like, you know, you put them as part of a face and it's yeah, fine. Yeah. But the focus on them themselves, it's just... That's true. It's, it's so damn creepy. I don't think I've ever seen a close-up on lips that I enjoyed. <laughs> no, same. Like, I love um, Rocky Horror Picture Show, but the whole opening bit with um, the lips on screen with the credits, I just... Oh, man. I'm thinking of the scene in Lord of the Rings with the tomatoes. <laughs> also true. That's a that's a very good one. It's a very good one. I didn't think about that, but now that's going to haunt my nightmares. Thank you. Well, that, that wasn't just the lips, though. It was the ch- close-up of chewing, which made it ten times worse. Yeah. No, I agree. <laughs> well, anyway, on that note. Yes, anyway. <laughs> Uh, until next time do you want to let people know where they can find you if they want more from you absolutely uh if you're looking for any close-up on lips you will not find them on my channel but you'll find quite an array of random obscure and straight up bad movies um done in a collaborative or uh, solo review style uh stop by say hi at trivial theater um would love to see you okay well until the next episode always a pleasure
Thanks for listening to iHeartMovies. If you like what you've heard, make sure to subscribe on your preferred podcast platform or to our YouTube channel. Make sure to follow my co-hosts as well, and if you want more content from us, check out one of the other podcasts in the iHeartMovies podcast network, or check out my brand new Patreon. My link tree, as well as any other relevant links, will be in the description. We'll be back soon with another brand new episode, so thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.